right, and we're three, two, one, and we are back, guys, on the Nobody's Famous podcast. Uh, as always, it's an exciting show that awaits you guys, and today I have a very, very special person with me, person who has been uh, an unexpected uh, and great friend in the last uh, period and a very, very big supporter of the podcast. Today, I'm with the one and the only, Azal al-Salafi. How are you? How's everything? Thank you so much. Thank you for the introduction. Uh, I feel special, especially on this day. Uh, I'm doing well, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, and you? I'm doing well, and uh, you're right. Today is uh, International Women's Day. We're recording on this day, and the, the show day, will, yeah. yeah, and the show will be out uh, a little bit later. So um, it's actually a, a a pleasure and an honor to be speaking to you today. And I'm just gonna jump right into the first question here, as well for you. Um, art, in one sense, holds an image of rich people paying millions for like old paintings. Uh, it's it's one of the aspects. And in another sense, uh, the word art is used to describe generic photos of things people put above their beds, like a print or a painting of New York in the 1930s that you can buy even from Ikea. Um, in sure. what sense can art be meaningful to the common person? The Nobody's Famous Podcast. Well, it's, it's the story of the person. It is, it is the reflection of the person, um, that moment, or maybe um, moments. Um, because, you know, I, I don't know, like there are people that uh, paint or, you know, perform art and they have a specific target, a specific image in their head that they want to achieve, let's say. But with me, it's more like, you know, embracing what it's going to be unfolded let's say yeah and and um what what would it mean for example for like a normal person to look at a certain art piece what do you think that how they would feel i i, I said that you know actually just two days ago we were speaking about this uh with a family uh friend and uh, she was she, she was looking at my painting and she was like, you know, Azal, it's funny, like there are some paintings that I cannot relate to. <laughs> and uh, there, are, there are some paintings that I feel like, wow, I reflect to. And so I think it depends on the person, why, like what, what it touches them at that moment. Maybe they could be in a specific, let's say, context and they see it and they kind of connect to it depending on the situation they're in. But in general, um, everyone has, has a different taste so um what they would be expecting or how they would be feeling about uh a certain image or a certain artwork depends on who they are and uh what are they more drawn to so yeah that is uh, i, uh, we'll I hope be, i answered you yeah it we'll be getting into it a bit i have some questions on art and to be very honest um i've had my for lack of better word, issues with some art pieces, uh, <laughs> either either being confused because I'm um, in a way a bit more yeah. 
old school where I like to see the actual painting and hope that there's a story behind it versus the abstract or the some of the modern art. So we'll get into it. Um, and uh, for sure, we're going to we're going to discuss it, especially some of the artists as well. Um, next question is, does loving art uh, require an education in art history? Is it like um, food in a sense where, you know, there's a level of uh, food that people call fine dining versus eating at like a fast food joint? Well, uh, I believe so, or I don't think that there will be a major if, if it wasn't the case. Uh, but for me, as a person, I think it comes naturally. Uh, yani, a school can be uh, a space for referencing, you know, it's more academia related, but it's not necessarily about a passion. These are two kind of separate things, I believe. Yeah, I would like to know if um, it's a full-on requirement to actually have gone to art school to because some people are born naturally with with the with the ability to visualize or to create a message from a painting. It might seem super random, but then uh, it has um, a lot of effect on people. Uh, which therefore in turn makes them the artist, you know, the artist with that's, that message. That's true. I think, um, I think maybe previously was the case where you have to actually go to school so that you can get, uh, you know, um, that foundation to create art. Uh, but now I think we have so much exposure and people are connected on so many ways, in so many ways, like especially through social media. And there has been like a democratization of every field around the world. So I don't think that now academia is like really making a, big, a huge role, maybe, but it's like whoever is in that field, in let's say the academic field, artists going to institutions, they have their own credibility and that's why they're usually high priced because they've gone through a lot of work and education but then there are these talented uh, potentials talented artists that are um you know you know they're just breaking through and they're kind of uh, you know like breaking these institutional walls let's say um with their talents yeah and there's so many different forms of art uh i mean I think that's why maybe why uh, actually going to art school is not required anymore. You might have a talent and you can just start posting it on your Instagram or something yeah. and you can become famous that way uh, or at sure. least famous in the millennial level or even the Generation Z level. Uh, I mean, there's a very uh, amazing artist that I know, Nuri Flayhan, and the way she has a very, very... Um, distinctive art style uh, and I just like to see how the art um, now she, she you know she does art pieces where people have they don't have the actual pupil it's just the eye so the pupil mm. is yeah mm. yeah so I think I think that having a distinctive style you know can really re really differentiate you from the crowd and yeah. we'll see if if the you know such art pieces end up being sold for millions 
I think um, I think in general, uh, sorry, but I think in general, uh, I was talking actually about this subject two weeks ago uh, with a friend, and uh, we kind of distinguished that even people who would like try to duplicate anyone's work, you always find something different. You, 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 a person's piece is a person's piece. It's an identity. You, you, you can't, like, even if you are copying, pasting, you would look at it and you would see that it's not that person's work. It's someone else's work. Mm -hmm. And there's that difference. Uh, I think, at, especially in art, uh, there, there is a lot of, you know, issues in terms of uh, intellectual property. But uh, uh, in general, I think um, if you have an eye for art, you will be able to distinguish it whose work is whose yeah that's true that's true yeah it requires a lot of um experience and uh, yeah. a lot of patience um to to look at these different art forms and god there are a lot um yeah i don't know if you noticed but i didn't even introduce you yet so i still have two more questions before i actually formally let you introduce yourself. Um, oh my God! <laughs> Go ahead. You 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 uh, you wrote something to me. Was uh, this is you, what you wrote? You wrote personally. I believe I have had a privileged yet unsettling way of living, resulting from my father's occupation, in which we continuously, every four years, locate to another country. Mm -hmm. So the definition of home is still pending. I found this um, this statement very. Uh, very interesting, which helped me create this question is, um, which we will be jumping into later is you, you, you help uh, migrant women uh, find homes and, you know, find their own identity. I'd like to ask you, um, do we have to really define what home is? Is it absolutely necessary? Wow. That's deep. <laughs> um no not necessarily for me it's not necessarily there is I, I don't have a specific definition of home um but i think i want to i think human beings want to have this setting that is called home and that's why we always try to seek it maybe it's just an illusion you know because there are a lot of people that have homes but they are actually they don't feel part of it they don't feel like home uh, and so um yeah, it's one of these social constructs that we build and we try to uh, belong to <laughs> yeah. you know i was um i was thinking that you would answer yes and then i would respond by saying actually some people might say no <laughs> um so now i will i will flip it and say well um if I was playing devil's advocate, I would say, in a way, you kind of have to, um, you have to define home. I am with your answer in a way, but I'm, I'm mm -hmm. challenging you to, to also. I have to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have, you, you have to kind of define uh, where home is, and I think this is a very, it's, it's, it's a basic. Um, it's I think part of the hum basic human instincts, but especially now with. Um, how the pandemic, for example, has changed the world and working from home. Yes, people are 
struggling to spend all this time at at uh, home but that kind of comfort on the kind of ability to create uh that place which you call home to make it better it's uh, it's a quite unique uh thing uh Absolutely. to be able to to be able to build upon that self and create that sort of a sort of identity but i don't think it stops at just the place that you're in it might as well have to be with you know country nationality uh, your culture and all that um that is probably the fuller uh, definition of, of 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 what home can be and some might argue well home is just a place that you can really go back to and feel like okay that's the place that is filled with with the memories that um true you enjoy true yeah next uh, next question while uh, well i want to uh, i want to delve into who you are as an emancipated woman since uh, it was it was part of your <laughs> it was part of your response to the bio um i wanted to rather focus on you uh, as a person and how you are an inspiration to others um mm. uh, apart from apart from discussing the reasons why women or humans in general should live a free life do you do you, do you agree with my direction on this matter like uh, do you agree that i want to talk about you as a person rather than your you know the the fuller concept of everybody else <laughs> um well it's up to you i mean we can talk about a generally and we can talk uh, about my personal definitions and uh, responsibilities i would call it then emancipation because emancipation comes with a lot of um you know responsibilities and uh paths and risks that uh, you need to um a uh, tackle on the way to emancipation <laughs> yeah yeah i think we will be able to touch on it at some point for sure um well azal i want to i want to formally introduce you now to the audience but i'm going to let you uh kind of do that um wow. <laughs> we um there's a lot that you had sent me and i'm i just want to uh, read the first uh part of what you had sent to me in a long lost Instagram message a while back uh you wrote to me um that your field of work and research often focused on the dilemmas of migration and child protection you lived a yeah. cosmo cosmopolitan upbringing and you mm -hmm. were exposed to different uh political economic and cultural contexts from a very very young age mm -hmm. and that made you recognize the urgent need to help migrants uh who are coming to uh Germany and Frankfurt to wh where you live right now and that's uh when you established your legal and life it's very interesting to say a legal and life <laughs> advisory startup to to provide yes. uh, that legal experience and psychological assistance for migrant women and children uh to help uh to help them in the integration process yeah. um support their well-being so there's there's definitely a lot uh, to unpack my 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 first question on that matter is um can you give the audience a glimpse into your upbringing this cosmopolitan upbringing oh okay yeah um well um as you mentioned earlier uh because of my father's occupation i think uh, before i even uh, turned one <laughs> 
we moved to Ethiopia. <laughs> so, um, and I remember like my mother told me like, uh, you had your first birthday in, in the um, Yemeni embassy. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> I was like, wow, what a privilege. <laughs> they even had to break one of the walls. <laughs> <laughs> but imagine this is the start of my life <laughs> you wall breaker you wall breaker i had to i have to it's in me um, um yeah i mean that's that's how life has been with me uh, of course there were times where we you know we would stop in a place and reflect and my father would think okay what's next like do we want to settle but honestly we were young and I hated it at some point uh, because I felt like uh, I was losing friends I, I could not sustain a specific uh, way of living like my friends from school or neighbors I would get to know them and you know build these relationships with them and then all of a sudden he gets uh, you know assigned somewhere else and uh, as a kid, I didn't really see the value in it. Uh, and, I, and I spoke to this to my mother, I think, when I turned 14 and we were in Qatar. And uh, she was telling me, you, I was like, Mama, why do we have to go? We're happy here. We're happy here. And my little sister, she's like, where are you from? When you ask her where you're from, she says, I'm from Qatar. So um, and so uh, after some time, um, um, as as I grew older, I and, and my mother told me actually when I confronted her about this, I'm like, I'm tired, mom. Uh, what what's the point of us doing this? Why can't we settle in one place? And she was like, When you grow old, you'll understand. Because my when I when I now when I reflect back to why my family, my father and mother had this lifestyle is because they too had that lifestyle. They too, they understood that uh, they wanted to give it to their children. And of course they were as well. They worked hard for it. They were lucky, but they also worked hard for it. Um, wow, Azal, without having that, that cosmopolitan upbringing wouldn't be the person who she is today, wouldn't have an idea literally of what's happening in the world, like in depth. Uh, I've befriended, um, you know, so many people, like I have people from all around the world, like, and it was, it's different. It's not like when you visit a country, relax. It's like you actually enter homes, you see their interaction, you see their communication, you see tolerance, acceptance, and sometimes, you know, clashes, uh, all these things kind of, um, I, I reflect on these days uh, and um, I see as us as human beings, we're, we're beyond just one group or one community or one religion or one whichever context that we are given and living in. So, um, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful experience. I wouldn't change it for the world now. <laughs> when I was younger, it was different. Now I'm, I'm good to go. Yeah. I asked the question uh because literally every single bio i found of you i think it was three or four bios even you you said it yourself you would mention this this word cosmopolitan so i was like hmm, 
I need to ask this question. <laughs> you know, I need to yeah. I need to ask. And yeah. um, you know, it goes back to the question about home and everything. Uh, some would argue it would be nice to grow up in one place and you can build uh, connections in 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 that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but even the the I'm, I'm sure the effects that this type of lifestyle had on you is uh, you can literally be dropped anywhere and you will be able to to create a life for yourself and uh, dare I say it in some respects I might I I personally and I think maybe some other people in the same position I'm, um, as me might also feel um, might might feel jealous of that you know because because that's such a great skill to uh, to have to be able to uh, adapt quickly to to the environment that you're in and not get this uh, homesick feeling uh, i would say um which which is which is let's face it it is a it is a it is a true feeling otherwise people wouldn't be traveling back to their home countries to see their parents to see their friends who are there you know let's let's face it um my next question, Azal, is going a bit on the uh, migrant side, and this is how we'll get to know you a little bit more. I lost you there. I am with you, but you are paused. Like, yeah, I, it's, the, it's, the... it's 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 okay same. now. It's better. Okay, it's better now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's cool. Good. Yeah. <laughs> with uh, Azal Co, you're Azal and Co. You're helping uh, migrant women. Uh, uh, you know, um, have them integrate into the society and you're creating a social impact. Um, yeah. I want to ask uh, you, Azal, what is the underlying need in you helping uh, these uh, migrant women find a place for themselves to make the choice and settle? Is it, is it rather aren't you fulfilling a need within you as well as them? Yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to deny that. Um, I think, uh, again, I think I will use the word reflection a lot within this conversation that we're having. Um, in general, if we speak about the context of Germany, uh, life is different here than any other country. And... Uh, I feel like I've been a migrant twice in Germany. The time that I came with my father and then I traveled and I came back. Uh, and the second time was when I decided that I, I left uh, work and I decided to go back to Germany and settle here. Um, both experiences were different for me. Uh, being under my father's, let's say, umbrella uh, I didn't really feel the struggle of being an independent person, you know, making a life here in general. And, uh, well, uh, when, when I came the second time, uh, I, I lost, not, I didn't lose a job, but the situations in general in Yemen as well, they cost me my work. Um, you know, there was, um, war there that started I could not go back and um, the Yemeni passport basically which I have uh, was um, 
a burden. And uh, with all the qualifications that I had, um, I could not get in because of the passport. And um, so I, I kind of started uh, in order for me to fill in the gap in my life, because uh, as I can't stay like this, waiting for a job, <laughs> doing, I have to do something. I started volunteering uh, and working with some organizations, uh, communicating with some academias uh, and stuff like that. And um, that's how I got in touch too with some of the people. Uh, some of the some of these stories as I, I started translating for women, uh, not women, but migrants, refugees. And um, when I used to get calls, I used to like hear their stories. Like, and that's how I started like interpreting uh, to the organizations, whether the Red Cross or any other organizations that, that are helping the refugees. And um, it was uh, something that caught my eye is that these people that are coming from, you know, this, let's say Syria, um, Iraq, Yemen, all these like, uh, Countries yeah, the war-torn countries. Yes, exactly. Um, they kind of brought everything with them. Uh, they were not. They were creating their own clusters, their communities, and they they had a hard time because you know eventually you know they were forced out. They were not expecting to you know come here and start a new life. They literally left everything and uh, and they also they started building it the same way they were back there and um, they forgot that there are rights here. They forgot that, you know, um, they have organizations, they have a lot of health insurance, they have the right to earn money from the government itself without uh, anyone's help. So they had that, they didn't, they didn't understand that because when they, the majority of women coming or the majority of females coming if they are not with a man, uh, there will be that situation where, unfortunately, an Arabic man will try to see that, seize that moment and tell her, I'll take care of you. And so that kind of uh, like really boiled inside of me. And uh, I've, been, I've seen so many cases where so many like normal conversations, I never really intended to, to give them legal advice because I, I think it's a huge responsibility. And if I'm, I, although I was licensed back then, but um, not in Germany. So I had to study the German law for that. But uh, uh, it, just from few conversations, I saw that few of my friends who are educated people, just like me, who are in very terrible situations, they're being assaulted, they're being, um, you know, humiliated. And so many stories. Uh, and I asked one of them, she was telling me, she was crying, like, oh my God, this happened to me. She actually got married to a person by a sheikh, a religious marriage. And here they do not recognize these marriages. <laughs> and she's like regretting it. And what am I going to do? I was like, girl, you're not married. Don't worry. You're not married. What are you worried about? <laughs> And uh, then I eventually I understood her story was more complicated than that. Um, I took her to the lawyer and that's when, you know, I understood that 
women, not only do they need legal help, they need life. They need some guidance. They need some someone's perspective that is a little bit more open. And uh, that's that's how how I. Uh, there are a lot of studies, uh, Ali. Uh, if I if I if I if I open them up, I think we will we will leave this session with only these stories. But uh, it was the stories of these women that triggered me to to cater for them and to just like help them really just raise awareness about their rights and their capacities and they can do much better and much more than what they've been told. Yes. Very much you are um, down, down at the streets in the community and just uh, yeah. putting your ear to the ground and really um, uh, really just uh, looking at what's actually really happening with uh, with people and I can't really imagine how uh, difficult uh, that that might be it's not even in my you know mindset or framework to even think the kind of issues that that are that are happening um, and as you were speaking I was I was really in the zone with trying to to get a glimpse of you walking around and actually speaking to people or finding people and and really just starting from the basic thing which is translating because they didn't understand what was happening um yeah. this 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 I, uh yeah go ahead no i just wanted to say like normally in the context again of germany it's hard for the normal people it's hard for the expats in general like these people who are like really just forced out there, they need to start a new life and they're, they're coming from, they're very vulnerable. So they can fall in that spiral, you know, and that darkness and somebody needs to be there for them. Yeah. It's a very selfless um, statement coming from the question, which I was trying to figure out if it was selfless or not. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah and and um it it uh, it leads very nicely into my next question which as a as a migrant uh, woman yourself that's yeah. where you've built the connection you have established yourself as as a, as a beacon of light as a hope to uh to these people uh i don't know if you know this or not um but but that's what you've established yourself as i want to ask you how this passion has drained you as an individual? Of course. <laughs> it has consumed me. It has drained me. It has, um, but it has taught me a lot and it has taught me how to shield myself in order for us to actually help people. Uh, we kind of need to um, put on this shield so that we can be effective um, and fair when dealing with situations of course it's hard it's hard and that's why it, it's one of the reasons that until this day I do therapy um, because um, you know it, it's energy and these struggles these traumas you they're kind of they you suck them you suck up you suck out of them and if you don't have a specific technique or a mechanism where you can, let's say, protect yourself, uh, it could get dangerous. I know a lot of people that 
you know, they were isolated at some point after doing some missions and uh, I, it hurt me too, but um, I don't know with me, I just, I was able to always see the light. I was able to stand up. Um, yeah, I think that's my answer. I hope I answered you. <laughs> Again, it sounds horrific to say the least, uh, the things that yeah. uh, that you you might have went through. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm trying to understand a bit because me personally, I cannot say that I've been through the same. So I wanted you to share the story. And I think if people know mm-hmm. you the way I know you, they won't imagine these things that <laughs> you are saying. Yeah. Yeah. They won't imagine. Um, how do your parents and in specific your father see the change that you are bringing? Uh, in the world via via this social program and the way you reject uh, cultural norms of your country and the Arab world in general. Wow. <laughs> uh, um, my father, <laughs> my father's perspective, uh, Baba Habibi. Uh, I have a very, uh, he is my mirror, literally. Baba, <laughs> in my worst, in the best times. Uh, and it scares me sometimes because um, um, he has taught me uh, and mainly me and my little sister to be, to be strong. Um, but at the same time, he was also protective of us. And in general, um, He's always been concerned of what I do. There are many times where I clashed with him, of course. Uh, but when I sit with him and talk to him, um, you know, it makes sense to him. It makes sense uh, that this is part of my identity. And I know it's coming from your protection. Is These are your in- parental instincts, basically. So you, it's hard to like, يعني, tell them not to worry <laughs> but in general i think uh i think he's supportive and even when he's not supportive he's supportive because it kind of pushes me forward to make him to make to make my point you know to make him know that i'm right and even when i'm not right i then know that it kind of led me to the right direction uh, I I, uh, I think I I appreciate that in him a lot to have been progressive as a parent and to um, have given us or me specifically the space to argue, not to say yes, but to argue my case. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think um, still he's a mirror. He's my mirror. I'd like to say if I can imagine the scenario of you speaking to him I'd like to imagine that in his brain he can't deny that you're this way he can't deny that um, that you have this uh, need and uh, requirement to help to help the you know uh, the migrants i think that he was in a position where he said he must have knew he must have expected this he must have seen it coming so which i think i'm i'm, I'm very glad that you shared that 
and it just shows uh, it just shows um, the the strength that you that you possess. And, um, <laughs> Trust me, I cry a lot. <laughs> We're only we're not even halfway through as a we're not even halfway through. No, I'm so, okay now, but okay. in general that's okay. that comes from a lot of crying. Okay. But I'm but, good now. Okay, good. We we'll move on. We'll move on. Let's yeah. let's uh, let's change the subject. Um, <laughs> but I don't know now because I think if I change the subject it might be like flow. Let's go with the Yeah, flow. yeah, we're going. This is this is the flow. This is the flow yeah. right now. This is great, the flow. Great, great. Um great. so Azal, you sent me a photo uh, uh-huh. of the Mercedes-Benz with the palm tree behind uh-huh. it, and it was overlooking the sunset. Yeah. I think you had sent it without any explanation. So now, oh, should your... I have explained? <laughs> well, <laughs> you could have explained briefly, but I think now is the time. Now is the time. So please explain. Ah, wow. Well. Uh... Um, it, it's one of these holistic moments for me. It's everything that represents me in that photo. Um, the sun, uh, either on a, like with me, that I, I have this really strong connection with the sun. And by the way, um, my name, as far as I've been told two years ago, because <laughs> I still, it, it's not Azal, by the way, it's Azal. <laughs> So I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, no. So I was in Morocco two years ago. And um, I was sitting with, with a family of friends. And the lady, because I always thought that my name were, meant um, Yaman Azal, which was given by Sam, the son of Noah. It's where they landed after the Tawfan, after the flood. And uh, Azal meant this blessed holy land that was flourishing, that people could live in, basically. But then, um, which I love, I have no, no, no issue with. Then uh, two years ago in Morocco, I, this, the grandmother of my friend, she told me, by the way, Azal in Amaziri means uh, the start of a new day, the start of a day. And for me, it was like, wow, because... I always leave the curtain, like the, the curtain open so that when I wake up, I wake up with the sunrise. I've always, I've, I've always had that within me and I've always connected with the sun in the, in the, in its rise or it's, in its uh, set. That picture was actually in Tyr, inside up. And uh, it was one of my, one of the best days of, I had there in Beirut, in Lebanon. Uh, sorry, in, in Lebanon already. Was inside, of course. <laughs> but um, put you on the spot now. I'll put you on the yeah. spot. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I'm cool. <laughs> I'm cool. <laughs> but anyways, um, I, I also I love palm trees because they are resilient, and they represent me as a human being being resilient. Uh, they're beautiful. They're beautiful. I love dates as well. Falibiat Lam and Home Lake for me is just like, oh my God, the best fruits ever. And uh, the car represents uh, movement and forwardness and like junctions. Uh, and that was that junction that that was the last time, let's say, I felt uh, 
liberated and myself. Uh, these elements were kind of representing me um, uh, in my element. Yeah. How can someone explain a photo better than that? Oh, shukran. <laughs> Thank you. I hope I hope I was those concerned and no, you'd ask other questions after that. There, there is there is more, there is more, but not about the photo, but not about okay. the photo. Um, okay. because it's uh, I think it's a great, great explanation. Uh, Thank you. Two fun facts about me, actually. Yeah. Um, and a bit about the show, actually. Uh, I also love palm trees, believe it ah. or not. But yeah. my my love for them is not as profound as you, I guess. I just okay. it's a reminder of my childhood, the same thing that the sun is. Um, I basically, growing up in Abu Dhabi, basically grew up on the beach and, and my parents used to take me always. So uh, the beach was, was very much a part of my childhood and the sight of the palm trees and the sun and the sand yeah. was just, um, it, was, uh, it was like the signal that, you know, the weekend started. And I've said this bef before on the show. Um, it was the signal that you know when there's there was school and then there's the you know the signal yeah. to the weekend starting and the sunset was actually something that I hated um, because it would signal the end of the weekend and then the next day there would be school and stuff like that so yeah so over over time I used to I started hating the even the time like six o'clock mm. five o'clock when the sun would go away even till now. Uh, I, 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 I hate it, you know, and I try to actually incorporate this into, so, so very, very trusted fans of the podcast will know that before the actual brand that you see now, yeah. a rebrand had a lot of these elements in it. It was all wow. part of the palm trees and there was an element okay. of the sun and there was an element of the sunset as well, um, to signify that you might be listening to the podcast at sunset. So. Uh, nice very, yes. yeah while you're driving maybe to Dubai. yeah yeah, yeah super yeah. super deep anyway moving on um Amazing. you you said that you lived on the expectations of others who are they hmm. wow um everyone around me everyone it's healthy though yeah, because mind you, it is my own, it's, it's in my brain. So, um, of course, it's unhealthy, but I thought that as well. Uh, but things, it's like an art piece, like it unfolds when you start questioning things, it unfolds. So, um, I always had that misconception that my family's, uh, that my family had this expectation for me, my relatives. Uh, my society, uh, my um, work, uh, anywhere, literally being in a, in a, in a, uh, a, um, a foreign company or a Middle Eastern company, <laughs> both had same expectations. This is shocking to me. Um, and not professional wise, but me as a woman uh, for Yes, but uh, these barriers, they kind of, you know, it's like the walls, like you uh, deconstruct them. Um, 
and I've kind of I've been breaking free since September last year. That's September twenty twenty. Yeah. Yeah. That's good um, because <laughs> doing that um, actually goes a lot hand in hand with what I talk about a lot on the show, which I do on a regular basis is comparing yourself to others because when you compare, then you put what they've achieved and as an expectation on yourself, which is again, uh, very bad, but also uh, we might uh, even now we reach at a point in our lives uh, in the age that we are at, where we could um, maybe teach those younger than us, that yeah. they should never live this way. And um, I think you've also, you also come to realize at this age, you've achieved already a lot. So expectations um, now is just your expectation is about yourself. Can I be better than who I was Absolutely. yesterday versus mm, what will my parents think? Because, which is in a way, it's a bit bad because you have to fulfill their expectations and then, um, and then now I you're think, like, I'm, I'm relaxed now to not do anything more. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I think, you know, what's, what's even harder is your expectations within yours on, on like between you and yourself. And, uh, I realized that I've personally, I've been very critical and I've been expecting way too much of myself, way too much. Like I don't even expect to the extent where like I would be expecting something from someone else. No. I have to do it. I'm the one who's responsible. Go get it. That's right. and, and that's bad. That's unhealthy. Um, well, I've been working on that. It's not easy. But come on, let's say in terms of, let's say this for the teenagers. Uh, I must say that social media has been raising a lot of campaigns on awareness, um, on self-image, bullying and everything. You know, that's we 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 are aware of but uh there is a there is a challenge that because of that exposure they'll always challenge themselves to be better than others so how can we draw that fine line where we can make sure that these young people do not harm themselves but at the same time you know they grow uh, in, a, in a say like they utilize these these uh, platforms uh, for good, but at the same time, you know, you know, they do not harm themselves or harm others. It's it's tricky. It's very tricky because there is always pros and cons. There's always advantages and disadvantages in anything, everything. But I always believe that it's a it's a collective effort that we all need to come together uh, in a community, family, uh, friends, peers, everything, um, governmentally as well. Um, yeah, to, to when, when we want to create awareness, we want to make a change, um, and teenagers especially, you know, it's that rocky stage where no one knows what they want. They just want to be, they just want to belong. They just want to find their identities. The more activities there are for them, the more uh, acceptance there are of who they are, giving them that space, but at the same time, you know, making sure that they are not being harmful to themselves is very crucial. So yeah. that what? <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I have mixed views a bit because I'm uh, kind of like uh, I like what Matthew McConaughey said, and he said that you should always 
see who you know try to attain who your his hero is always him in in 10 years in advance and if you can look back mm. in those 10 years and uh, probably look um, and say that you've done better you know mm-hmm. then then that that's good enough but again I'm not denying that that's also in a way unhealthy but I, I would yeah. just say yeah um, if you're gonna try and be better and to the young kids I would say compare <laughs> or have yeah. the expectations just within yourself even though you said that it's difficult um, yeah my next uh, question as well is um, give me one yeah so many questions uh what what, give me one example of your unorthodox approach to something in your life Hmm. um well there are many Uh, (laughs) i um because there are many i don't have something specific in my head um i hate routine for example i think creativity uh, keeps me like in order for me to be innovative i need to be creative and if i stay in the routine zone i'd i'd die i i i'd be stripped of my creativity and that's why i try to like for example uh, not have um um yeah, I mean, a, a norm, not a normal day. I have normal days, of course, but not have a specific designed routine where I would wake up in the morning on a specific hour. Uh, I would do whatever I'd pray or I'd meditate and then I would start working uh, and go on by the day. I go to the t- I'm not that type of person. If I want to answer, if I want to like, be productive, my day, every day has to be different. So that's one unorthodox thing about me. And I really like try as much as possible not to like put myself in that bubble or where coaches say, you know, like, or like these personal development people, these innovators or entrepreneurs, you have to, you have to be disciplined. Discipline doesn't have to be that you need to have a routine. Discipline is you being consequent, you being, um, um, you know, fulfilling, working to, towards that fulfillment that you're trying to, 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 uh, to fulfill. <laughs> and um, it's, I think I, I always throughout the day, sometimes, you know, like sometimes I even, I would skip a day. It's to that extent. I would literally skip a day. It would probably be on my mind. I should be doing this, I should be dancing, I should be painting, I should be just for the innovation part to watch a new stuff. But I'll be like, no, stay in bed. Watch that thing that you don't want to watch. <laughs> and you'd be surprised, you'd learn something. You'd learn, like if you're a reflective person, if you're mindful and you're like aware of your surroundings and you'd hear your, like, sometimes your, 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 um, this pulse, your pulses, you'd, uh, like, really, like, when you're reading a book, you'd understand better, uh, you would see this movie, and this, or this film, or a series, or whatever, and then you, this sentence would just, pop up and it will just give you that light bulb you know this is what I want to do this is I'm linking this project with that project and 
this is how what my next step will be for people i think people should give up routine <laughs> not for everybody some people i thought you were going to stop there and say people should give up <laughs> that's what no oh my god never give up never give up i thought that sound like that you stopped there it's like people should <laughs> give up <laughs> should give up routine for sure i mean it depends there are people who are like uh, they're more organized and they love it and that's how accomplish that's how they accomplish things yeah. in general that's enough for me i think that's how i mean being that type of unorthodox like way of living uh yeah this is the sathi i could go more in depth but yeah. i'll leave it for i'm i'm uh, i'm uh, i use both methods uh-huh. so i use the routine because if there's deadlines or there's i know that there's certain things that i need to meet i stick yeah. to the routine and as you said i might skip a day but then there are other times where i just i don't i try not to put too much pressure on myself and i find mm-hmm. out sometimes um, especially for example when i'm writing the description for the show or i need to come up with the title or i need to uh, do something or create a post some whatever it is any type of creative thing not necessarily with the show um doing something else apart from thinking of it actually helps me so i, I don't know i'd be i'd be sitting eating and i'd think of an idea or <laughs> i might be in the shower yeah. and i think for some reason always in the shower the great ideas come so i can't actually talk yes. and write them down so i think yeah that would be a great title for the episode So it would yeah. be, yeah, it just, um, so I do both and I would say uh, to close the subject off, I think it's, uh, you, you should give yourself some space to, especially if you're trying to solve something, I think just leave it and come back. That's what I Absolutely. do. I, I leave it. I leave it. It's very hard to do, but same. that's what I do. Same. Same. Um, True. Same. Before we move to art. I have okay. uh, one more again yeah I have one uh, one more question more about you Azal is um, what kind of uh, therapy or self confrontation do you do or did you do Oh I did a lot of things Sarahatan I did uh, I started I started uh, online because I was afraid uh, to expose myself to therapists because at some point I think I didn't believe in them. I thought that they were just money suckers. Uh, but uh, eventually I kind of needed them. I understood once I started, like I do, I, I did that online, um, like self-work, literally. Uh, it, it would take me like one um, session or one uh, task um, of therapy Uh, it would take me sometimes months to accomplish because I was doing it alone and there was no one guiding. But it took time with me. Uh, from, I did a lot of tests and then I did, uh, you know, I eventually, I learned a lot about myself. I think that was good for me as well that I did it on my own uh, because I had that safe space. It was between me and my mind and my heart and, and my soul basically. Uh, but then uh, once I started understanding myself, I understood that I needed a coach. Um, and um, I had different coaches throughout uh, my past six years, I guess. 
depending on the need, um, depending on the situations as well. Sometimes there'd be months where I don't really have any any communication with anyone, and I just like if there's something I would do 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 um, you know like you utilize the tools that I have learned uh, to to take me out of a specific situation. Let's say that in general, um, um, like there are some times where you know it gets so complicated, and you kind of need sometimes you even like. Your closest people can you can be your therapists, literally. Sometimes my, my mother can give me like the most amazing insights and the most amazing therapy with one word sometimes. And that's why I keep the doors always open and I ask different people depending on the context, of course. Uh, however, I've been having uh, one uh, coach for the past since the past year. Uh, she's an amazing person. You know her, Mahalusi. Uh, um she is because she's a business coach and a life coach at the same time so i thought that there was no need for me to seek someone else um, but i always also um, get advices from my friends and get perspectives mainly not only therapy or coaching sessions but i hope i answered your question uh yeah i mean self-confrontation comes with a lot of just acceptance of you know, the internal, maybe internal things you're facing or issues or problems and, yeah. and uh, having the space or, you know, having the ego to accept that somebody else should, you know, speak to you about those things. And, and even you, you speak about them uh, yourself, definitely. Um, I also had the help of my family, by the way. Sorry, uh, I, uh, one of the tools that I used to use when I used to use them alone, I used to go like ask one by one, my friends, my family, what do you think of this? That was like really the hardest part in mm. confronting myself. So, so because between me and myself and I, I, I was transparent. But it's harder when you when when you're receiving specific information from especially dear people from you and. You always think that they they have the best bit, mm. version or image of you of you, but um, sometimes it's not the case, and that's why you start learning more about yourself. True, that's a beautiful process. It's not an easy process, but it's a beautiful process. True, true. My, I I think I seem to struggle with letting go of the mistake or letting go of the uh, that mm. uh, issue. You know, and, and in some ways, I also resort to my family and uh, my parents. I mean, there's I'm I'm an only child, so it's just them. So when I when I ask them and I take their perspective, you know, um, in a way, if I can and I say and I see that the, you know, I could get past it, then then I'm 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 happy. But uh, I think for me personally, the self confrontation is. It's constant. I seem to sometimes not let go of the mistake, which is not which is not mm. good, obviously. Um, and and there will be a lot mm. of a lot of uh, past thinking. And this is where I would you know give advice and say, um, you know, the past is the past. You confronted yourself, and you can confront yourself. You always don't have to be punished by somebody else. Mm. <laughs> this is a very big mistake, and you could yeah. you could uh, you could get past it. Um, yeah. 
Uh, Azel, I want to make it a little bit uh, exciting with some of the art stuff here. I mean, personally, uh, there's, look, I love art and there's, mm -hmm. uh, there's stuff that I hate. <laughs> okay. There's, uh, uh, there's stuff that I can resonate with and there's stuff that, yeah. I mean, I have to be very honest. I, it, it, like, you know, and I studied, I studied in university. I studied fine arts in university and I wow, was in a, I didn't know. I mean, I studied, I studied, I had two classes, to be very honest. My major was economics, but I took two classes um, for the lack of better reason was one of them, uh, you know, was kind of easy to do without a final as, as everybody uses that excuse. Um, Always. But that class, I would say it was, it was amazing because we got to see many different forms of art and an mm -hmm. artist as yourself, I want to, look at uh, some of these uh, just a few things i mean uh, I, I would say i like to I, I appreciate and i criticize at the same time so um we talked about matisse picasso barnett newman um and we had for example an art piece i think it was of of barnett newman where he painted uh it was literally just uh, his blue, Newman's blue, and there was a white line going through it. Do you know that piece? Yeah. I've seen uh, some of all of his blue work arts. <laughs> and unfortunately, I always wonder. But hey, you know what? The funny thing is that you'll never find any other blue like the blue that he uses. Uh, so you, okay, so highly here we go. Distinguished. Yeah, <laughs> it's highly distinguished. It's Newman's blue. Are we serious now? Are we serious now? Are we doing it's this? Close to, it's almost close to what you're wearing. <laughs> the I'm sorry, I have to say that. But I totally understand. Yeah, I mean, for me, there's a lot of, as you can see behind me, there's a lot of texture. There's a lot of phases. There's a lot of, like you can see, but I really... I, I, I tried many times to just like with one stroke or one like you know this you know this one blank like to work with something that is unified let's say it's hard and mm. I believe that's talent it's it, it may not make sense to people but it's it's a capacity that not everyone can actually uh, have and I don't need, sometimes I don't need to understand it for me personally, but uh, I, I, that's why he, he is, he is recognized by, by that. That's why I'm all, I'm almost all his uh, art pieces are depending on even the texture. Like he, he sometimes may use sand or things that, you know, with the same color, but a different texture, let's say, and but it will all be blue. What does it mean? <laughs> they don't even. I was in Nice the other day, and I was trying to read. Mafi, <laughs> Mafi, there's nothing. Um, it's just, um, you know, it's 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 it reflects it. It's it's him. I would I would I would like to give you one of the explanations that was given during that class, which I never forget. Yeah. And it was because of the white line going through it. The discussion yeah. was, oh, well, it's about individuality. And I was uh -huh. like, hold on, guys. Hold on. Am I really in this class right now? Am I really hearing this? It's just a blue painting. And yeah, I was, 
that the class was literally like that every day i would go and struggle with these explanations coming from engineers no less who wanted oh. to make yes who wanted to make a statement that they understood the art and i was just standing on the side i was looking really really no, no, and um no. that's why i wanted to open this discussion i mean i mean i also you know we also had uh, discussions of rothko um with his you know the difference of the, the the orange and the warm colors and the yellow how they would fit together mm. um i mean he's quite known for that and mm -hmm. that was associated with his uh, feelings because of world war ii so i understand you know as i grew older i kind of understand especially now with the explanation you gave about newman i kind of understand where that is coming mm. from but you get my point that this does not resonate with everybody. Not everyone can go and look at, um, uh, I mean, I was at, I think, I hope I don't get this wrong. I was at the MoMA uh, museum mm -hmm. once because I mean, mm -hmm. I love, you know, I love art pieces. Don't get me wrong. I love Starry Night, uh, Velasquez. I've been to the yeah. Prado Classic. in yeah. Spain yeah. and that just, wow. it, it blew my mind, you know, seeing the, the siege of Braga with the pikes. It blew, wow. my, it blew yeah. my mind. It, it literally yeah. blew my mind. But, um, you know, when I was in the MoMA, there was, I think, there was a piece where it was just literally a white wall. And there was a statement on top of it saying that this white wall was shot by an air gun. And, wow. And that was the art piece. And I was like, okay, wow. come on, guys. Give me I a mean... Break. You know, uh, <laughs> I was like, just, just give me a break, you know, like, like I can, I can only go so far, you know, I love art, but just, you know, work with me here, you know. So, Do you know how many shotguns happened? And, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it was just, a, I, I hope, I, I hope that I didn't get this wrong, that it's in the moment. This was, I can't remember yeah. the artist and all, but I just, you know, sometimes I, I think I speak for a few people. And that's why I'm asking you as an artist that you understand what I'm trying to say is sometimes there's Absolutely. art pieces that are very difficult for people to understand. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the same thing with me. I, like, I, and I don't think that we need to understand them because they, they reflect the story of someone and we kind of just need to enjoy them, maybe. That's how superficial I, I, I sometimes feel. Uh, maybe not my paintings. <laughs> But uh, I, I do resonate with some works, uh, even if they are, let's say, blank, but some are not. I think what you have to always notice, I think you have to notice your energy surrounding that art piece. Um, some mm -hmm. art are very minimalistic, but it would mean a lot. Like you would feel that there is a specific story, there is a specific energy. Uh, and uh, some have been really hard worked on. There are so many details that can, nothing, blank, literally. But I, um, I know my, my friend, uh, one of my friends, she visited the Louvre in Dubai. It's in Dubai, right? Or Abu Dhabi. Dhabi. Abu Dhabi, yeah. And she was like, oh my God, it was beautiful, amazing. And then I was almost out, and there was this really big, um painting that has an m like a letter m and i'm not sure I've, I've never seen it like she didn't even send me a picture but she was angry because she kind of understood 
all the art pieces except that piece. <laughs> and she was really frustrated. You know, why didn't I get it? Why didn't why didn't I resonate with it? Why didn't uh, why isn't it nice? So I think you like it's 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 a it's a normal thing that you don't resonate with all the art work. Um, you shouldn't actually. Um, it, we just have to respect that person that worked on it because it is an effort being done. You don't know the process. Maybe it's just you know. Uh, I don't know, maybe the pocket pack, packet of paint that he used was like 100 years ago. You never know. And uh, at the same time, maybe that's that, like that situation that he was in producing that artwork was difficult. And I, I think that that's what most agencies usually bet on. Um, mm. Art agencies is the effort, the work, the story mm. behind that artwork, mm. not how does it look like? Yeah. Oh. Okay, I understand that. Look, and I also, I also relate. And to close this subject off, I also relate to the energy part. I mean, if I if I tell you the stuff that we saw in that class, you know, in Beirut, in, in AUB, I mean, we saw an artist. Basically, she was painting using her period blood. I'm not joking. Oh my god. Um, and we saw um, even uh, an artist selling literally just air just air but he was yeah. selling it um and those things especially at that age for me and i was very conscious about those type of things where i go like really are we really mm. studying this right now and uh, i do now yeah. with my you know a bit of experience i kind of understand where it's coming from and the energy as you said you know yeah. I, I was blown away by velasquez's detail and like mm. photogenic you know, thing. And, and, you know, mm -hmm. out of all of these um, things that I had gone through in that course, out of spite, I actually found an artist that I really resonated with. And mm -hmm. his name was, um, his name is Gottfried Helnwein, and he does photorealism. And you okay. should really, you should really check out his, they look like photos, but they're not photos. He actually wow. painted them and that's oh okay yeah, wow yeah wow. yeah and that's that's out of spite you know that was my final project because i wanted to show people that Amazing. if you can make it look like a high-res photo you can paint <laughs> then something you are like an a, artist. then you are an artist you know so that was <laughs> yes. that was my conclusion to this this thing you know yes. i was this was i did all these questions just to get to this point to this Sorry. point <laughs> thank you noted <laughs> I'm never touching a brush again. <laughs> Next. No, I'm joking. Um, uh, before we get to the uh, end, uh, as we're kind of like in the middle right now, um, okay. middle, I want to say, is, is, a, is a tough word to say at this point. Um, I want to ask you about uh, Khazana. Um, obviously, by the time the episode is out, hoping that the first issue will also yeah. be out, um, and you've described it, uh, Khazana, as a bi-monthly journal with um, uh, raw voicing perspectives, in-depth stories, just the stories that your aunt would, would say uh, on uh, socio-economic, political, cultural affairs across Arabia. It's a lot of uh, stuff to unpack. Um, can you tell, ask, I want to ask you two questions here, is what's the trigger that made you start a project like this, Khazana, 
and what are the difficulties and challenges that you faced or are facing to bring Khazana to life? Wow. Um, <laughs> first of all, Khazana is like my baby, you know? <laughs> so I'm getting all sensitive. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, uh, there are a lot of reasons that made me start Khazana. And it's not just like recently. It's been a, a three years old project that have been kind of, or even more, uh, that has been on my mind and uh, going through a lot of research to understand uh, the gaps uh, that we kind of, I kind of needed to fulfill. Um, but it officially started last year, uh, coming out of the pandemic. Uh, you know, just me and my colleagues uh, who studied human rights and democracy and other authors, uh, we kind of had our way on our research, our way of writing, and we thought, okay, why not? Why don't we start it? And uh, we just wanted to create, like, to raise awareness about certain controversial topics uh, that are usually neglected in other platforms uh, or like let's say highly politicized in other platforms and um, we kind of wanted to, to to speak about it transparently as individuals as normal people not as experts uh, but also sharing our expertise within that context uh, one of the things that was like quite difficult for us like to to or let's say it was me bothering me personally is the chaos of the information, the, the world of information that we're currently in these days. Uh, it's fast web, buzzwords, um, repetitive narratives, you know, very politicized, you know, they're biased. And, and there are at the same time so much narrative, so many unique stories that aren't being heard. And um, they are, of course, hard to be out there because the reason that they are not out there is because, you know, of, of the, like the, the, the issues, like the, the, the things that I shared with you right now. But um, uh, I think I just had the problem with how can we provide quality uh, data? How can we provide mindful data, uh, mindful stories? And uh, how can we connect with the youth? Um, how can we also, there are so many questions. How can we also, you know, um, utilize someone's effort that like, for example, these researchers, these researchers that, you know, have um, worked for years on their work or their papers. And once their, for example, their theses or their policy papers are done, you know, they're stacked in archived and they never see uh, uh, the light of the day. <laughs> but why can't we utilize these? Why can't we, let's say, either upcycle them and try to, try to filter, um, create, a, let's say, more rhythmic, homogeneous, a slow web movement um, from, from all these elements that kind of um, you know, structured us, um, and that's that's how it started. That's that's how it's it's a process. It's a day by day 
uh, you learn something and then you understand that there's this gap is needed. Uh, th there is this gap that we kind of need to fulfill. Uh, it's, I think it's, we're driven by um, creativity and innovation. And that's why like the majority of us that are working currently are like really outside of the box. Um, and I think that that is, uh, that is our strength at the same time, um, being diverse, um, different fields, different topics, uh, different perspectives, different stories. Um, for all this kind of got together in a, in, in a magical way that I can't really explain. Uh, it was just like one post who's interested and you know, like I was bombarded with applications and, um, you know, we went through this filtering process and um, things got real. Things got, uh, you know, it, take, it, it took shape and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I, I, I need to catch up. I need to catch up. But, you know, you know, you being part of it as well, it's that we're still in the beginning. We're, we're still learning. It's an experimental process, basically where we are learning to like create these identities into one diverse identity. Uh, it is hard, the process is hard. The, the, the diversity is sometimes, it could be tricky. Um, I try not to say that, I mean, I, I believe that yes, I can be a leader, but I wanna be more. I wanna be a person that enables potential uh, I don't want to be that type of leader that they will just like uh, give you some tasks, you fulfill it. No, I, I think uh, one of the successes that is like uh, currently working well for me and creating this um, harmony in the community, uh, people that are working in Khazana is because uh, we, wor we work in a um, uh, holacracy manner uh, rather than hierarchical uh, and so um, there are no positions uh, there are tasks like pick whatever position yourself wherever you feel like it uh, I think some I, I think this comes because you know me as a creative person I don't like to be put in a box I am there to guide but I'm not gonna box you be who you are uh, I think one of the issues, however, because we are tackling uh, controversial issues, we might not be everyone's cup of tea. So um, being progressive means being daring, being bold, being um, um, breaking stereotypes, uh, going out of your comfort zone. And um, throughout this, yeah, throughout this, process we've lost some talented people uh, but I'm proud of them because at the same time you know they have these values and principles that they believe in and I totally support them for that decision that they've made and I have made as well uh, there there are principles there are guidelines and beyond my personal let's say um, criteria uh, there is something that is I've created like for Khazana, which is beyond me as a person. It is a collective. It is, it is the people's work, not a one person's work. So we work with the guidelines. We work with the identity of Khazana as a collective and not one person. So sometimes we have, sometimes 
we kind of have to suck it up and let things go. And that, that itself is, is power, I believe, to, towards success. And maybe in time will come where things will shift around, but anyone who's been part of this, they'll always be part of this, you know? Um, there's always a space for them. They always can come back. Um, and I think this is what I, because I work with organizations as well and community building, uh, I think this is crucial for the future for organizations to function properly is to have this really mindful space for um, the, the community to grow, uh, for them to discover themselves, to discover their potentials and uh, yeah, just, you know, just be the guide for them, be the role model through guiding them. There are people that will need the help. There, there are people, of course, that they'll tell you, tell me what to do, and you should. But Svikaman, people that would, you know, wouldn't want to be restricted, and they do more than just giving them a specific task. So, yeah, I think uh, Kazama's experimental, this educational process has been going on. It's been very colorful, sometimes very dark. Uh, very risky, but at the same time, um, you know, this, this beautiful work of art is, is like, uh, is being um, unfolded. Um, amazing people. I think I couldn't have done it without people uh, working with me. Um, and uh, we are working towards really, uh, maybe not, I don't want to use the word revolutionizing, but Again, breaking these institutional walls, we want to bring the people that are really experiencing life and not just experts from that high level that are just going to give you their advice. No, we want experiences, we want expertise, we want genuine, authentic, uh, at the same time, evidence-based work. Um, and then, you know, these, this blend of uh, writers or authors coming with these artists and creating this beautiful blended one piece, uh, a visualized piece of, of the data itself is, um, is uh, you know, it's, it's something that many people that can connect to. Uh, not everyone has the time to actually read. So we try to tackle all these elements that are missing and to cater to them. And at the same time, we focus on the summer um, and you are doing an amazing work, uh, I must say. And that's why we're, we've aligned, I shared with you last time, we've aligned with, uh, with these uh, podcasts because nobody's famous podcast. Um, because, you know, we, we believe in the potential of people that are, you know, not necessarily influencers without these hundreds of thousands of followers, without the experts. Maybe they know the know-hows, but, you know, in reality, you know, you need more real people. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the undertaking is definitely a difficult one, and you will still face um, more more challenges uh, ahead and more um, obstacles. Uh, but uh, you know, um, what interesting takeaway from what you said is uh, you're creating something uh, bigger than yourself. So there's gonna always be uh, toughness to it and obstacles and people who will who will challenge the concepts but um you know we're we're uh, 
waiting and we're going to see what's, you know, we're going to see all the different elements that are going to come together with uh, Khazana. And uh, it's definitely uh, one of those very, uh, um, uh, you, you know, unique uh, on the fringe of the cuff type uh, project. So it's very exciting to see Thank you. all these different, different things coming together. Um, Thank you. Azel, I want to uh, take you to the bonus question round and then we'll, we'll conclude, <laughs> conclude with, some, uh, with some final questions. Um, so, so some bonus questions for you here is, um, you, you, you said you feed off failure more than success. Now mm -hmm. I've overused, uh, you know, I've overused this um, concept a lot in the show. I talk about failure being, you know, a normal process, and a normal um, stepping stone to, to getting to where you wanna go. Um, well, what are the failures that you have experienced and how do you feed off them? Just maybe just talk about one or two. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, <laughs> you can pick, there's the academic failure, <laughs> there's professional failure, career-wise. Um, but I think failure in general, I would pick one point, which is uh, me failing not understanding what failure is. So whenever I fail, I feel like I failed. You know, I really feel like, oh my God, Azal. I never, like at that moment, I never see it for an opportunity. I never see it that it's a learning process. But this hurts me. And I, and I sometimes I feel in that zone and it, it's like really like physically for me, physically, it pains me when I fail, when I do not accomplish. Like maybe, maybe it's part of being the creative. Maybe I now think that I need some routine, routine to manage deadlines. <laughs> but in general, no, I do. I, I, I manage my deadlines very well. But um, uh, I think... Um, uh, that 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 makes me more disappointed that makes like the feeling that I don't I get from failure and the fact that I kind of disconnect myself that failure is it's is within itself uh, success uh, it what bumps me it's what makes me feel like a failure because I lose that feeling that this is this is a learning process and that 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 is like the worst thing ever but I I, I learn like if I tell you how I feel about failure now uh, to like, and how I felt about it two years ago or, or even six months ago, <laughs> I'd feel, uh, I'd, say, I'd say very different, uh, completely different. And with, within each failure, there is a lesson to learn, um, um, a message that you get and uh, that's why it, it, the, 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 like the definition of failure changes as well. Um, but it still remains a lesson, always. Yeah. I mean, people, people who, who watch the show know how open we are to failure as well. So, um, yeah. and uh, as, a, as a normal uh, thing. Yeah. And I, uh, I, uh, I do... I do agree with your point about the understanding what it means 
what it means to what it means to fail um and the definition changes the more you fail and the more you understand um how that can be a a, a door opening elsewhere to to think yeah. so I'm, I'm 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 really happy that you that you you shared that point um go I ahead think failure i think just one thing that we kind of need to do as maybe this is an advice that i've been implementing on myself is that once i realize that oh this is a failure situation um i let go literally just it's let very go. hard to do it's, it's very, very hard to do but 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 it 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 is easier it's much easier because things kind of uh, you know get back on track on its own way so i think sometimes because we're possessive we control we want to control everything and that's why we tend to fail that's one of the reasons because we want to have that control we want to like there are certain expectations that we need to uh, you know, fulfill. So when that happens, so just let go. It'll come back well, yeah. in its own way. Yeah. Oh, I can I can vouch for that. How difficult that is. I can say that yes. for sure. <laughs> um, uh, quickly, mm -hmm. uh, something I found interesting was I was looking at all these different bios that I mentioned before about you, and even yourself. You never described yourself as an entrepreneur why 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 so why have you never described yourself as when that's literally who you are oh wow no i believe that i am an entrepreneur but i i'm maybe i don't know why i don't use this term i never like really noticed that i don't use this term um but i am i am hardcore entrepreneur <laughs> i have this really too like um, yeah, I mean, this entrepreneurial spirit and is like uh, uh, expanded صراحةً. and uh, I, uh, I I don't know what to say here um, I really don't know I, I never recognize that I never like I've never sh shared it I don't share a lot actually I don't it's just I think maybe it's not because I don't consider myself an entrepreneur or an artist or a lawyer because depending on the phase that I am in, that's how I communicate who I am. So the time that I am working on a project, I say that I'm an entrepreneur. The time that I'm working on a case, I say that I am a legal person. The time that I'm working on an art piece, although I've never said that I'm an artist, because it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm self-taught. And for me, it was more therapy. Uh, from, it just, you know, it just happened to be um, but um, I think it depends on the situation how I introduce myself. But uh, I, if if I would introduce myself, I am more than that. I'm more than just an entrepreneur. I'm more than just a lawyer. I'm more than just um, um, you know an artist. Let's say I, I think day by day, the more I explore about myself, I gain more definitions. I I, I could be a researcher. I could be, you know, I don't know, a, a community servant. I don't know. I, I, I try not to label myself a lot as well. I think that's harmful. Just like embrace who you are at that moment. 
Uh, I am proud that I am an entrepreneur, however, that's for sure. I'm not giving up on that title. <laughs> so, it, it, yeah, yeah, it's actually, it, um, your response uh, brings me nicely to the, to the final bonus question, because you're talking about all these different uh, definitions of yourself. I mean, I, I don't really know you that well uh, as a, like, yeah. it's been a brief time that we know each other, but True. I noticed something that um, yeah. you're very much a person that is, a, you are the go-to person on social issues. And, <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, like yeah. Uh, people seem to gravitate towards your opinion on things and you have connections yeah. that, um, that sure. people like, um, I think people wish to have and you have connections that are, quite varied and across the world. And this goes back to, you know, the beginning of the show about your cosmo cosmopolitan lifestyle. Um, what do you think uh, about that type of pressure? You know, that, uh, that um, you know, people have the chance to come and speak to you, you know, about their issues mm. and stuff. And, and what do you think? I think that's... Um, I think look at it also differently is that that is a testament to who you will become in the future as well. Oh, wow. I never see it as pressure, Ali. I never see it as pressure. If I can give, I will give. If I have the resources, the means, the, the understanding, the perspective for it, I would give it. I mean, why not? Why do we have to hide it for ourselves? I mean, we're not living here for ourselves. We, we are, of course, we, we, we need to be prioritizing ourselves, but we're living for others, basically. And um, um, we, we need to give an order as well for us to receive. So why am I, why do I get, I don't know why do I get, maybe it's my energy. <laughs> maybe because I'm open and non-judgmental. I don't judge. I don't, I don't judge whichever situation. Uh, and I, oh, there's always a safe space, I think. Uh, I'd start judging, maybe, but not judging. Like, let's say, analyzing, <laughs> to use a better term, uh, the situation when I go more in depth by understanding, especially if it's something in my field, if it's something that I've been through. And that's when I start analyzing. But in general, I don't think anyone... Uh, I, and I think everyone can actually be uh, of support to anyone else. Like, just stop being judgmental. Give them the safe space to talk, uh, or to you know, uh, to to you know, like to know that you're the person that you can go to. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's yeah. all that I can say. I'm not yeah. sure. I mean, I, I will, I will, I will disagree on a few points there and say that Go uh, ahead. for sure for sure you know um i i you know i'm with you when you know you say you're living and in the service of others and all that stuff you know but yeah, um yeah but i have to disagree as well and say that uh mm -hmm. you know as as much as people will help you and all that i think you sometimes are in a position where nobody will help you and even in your worst yeah. uh, position, um, you know, uh, you might you might feel alone. So, I really have to say, sometimes you need to you need to really help yourself, and you really need to take action on certain matters. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I I just wanted to ask and 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 maybe you know shed this light on this part of you. Maybe as you said, maybe you had 
um, mm. not noticed it as as much because I think mm. um, Azal, you are whether you know it or not, you are becoming that um, a, a a figure for 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 people who can who can go to on 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 a lot of stuff. Um, not and... at my own expense, though. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I am mindful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, of course. I'm learning. This is this is learning. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. Um, uh, Azal, I want to say that we have reached the conclusion of the uh, show, and okay. with that, there are the three final questions for you. Wow, so um, many levels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just you know, we just peel the onion slowly, slowly peeling the onion. Um, uh, my my um, first question. Actually, shall we make it four? Let's make it four. So the okay. first uh, this first um, question here is: Why did you decide to come on to the show? I think I said it earlier because I reflected who you are. I feel like you know I'm I'm a genuine person with an interesting story uh, that some people might uh, reflect to, and. Um, uh, I think I, when I'm talking here with, with you as a podcast, I'm dealing with a human rather than an institution. And I, I, I appreciate that. Um, and um, I think um, I, I would like for me, I'd rather I, I'd be proud on like coming on this show than any other show that is like built institutionally, not human wise. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's a good response which uh, not one I was expecting at all okay. um, yeah I wasn't expecting that um, and and uh, how do you or do you resonate with the show's name yeah yeah I do resonate because I don't feel like I'm famous I, I, I'm not famous I don't feel like it's not there's no feeling whatsoever <laughs> I'm not famous uh, but there was that phase at some point that I felt that, oh, maybe I need to be famous to make an impact. And when I saw, uh, I, of course, I, I, I recognize that's not the case. And when I saw your podcast, the name, the first name, um, like it's what really grabbed my attention. And I thought, ha. Huh. Wow, I, I, that's a very, and especially like the conversations that you were having, they were very fluid, uh, very humanistic. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'd love to be on. Um, I reflect it because I'm, I'm not famous and uh, uh, people can still make an impact. Cool. Yeah, it's interesting how, um, how far the definition has changed over the course of the you know, mm, I bet, I bet. The years that we've um, done, you know, have had the show. It's you yeah. know what started as a couple of simple statements with huge impact. Now we can, you know, keep going uh, deeper and deeper with it, especially with how things are are changing. So, I thank mm. you for that. Um, last two, last two questions. Um, I think one of them is more a statement that I'd like to make rather than a question. But um, okay. when I was doing research about you and I, I, saw, I saw the Azal & Co website, uh, what struck me first, I mean, I have two large screens on my desktop. So 
I had while I was writing questions, I put I put the I put the website on the on the second screen while I was writing the questions. And I noticed that there's a video that plays mm -hmm. without music. And it was it was such an interesting thing to see because at the beginning I was looking at it and I was trying to say, oh, maybe Ezra's going to pop up in this video. I'm going to see her. And, and, and eventually you did. And I started seeing, and I didn't play any music. I didn't play the, I don't know if there is sound, but I didn't, I didn't play it, even if there was sound. And it was just playing. And as I write, there write was the, no sound. yeah, there was no sound. So as I, as I wrote the questions, I kept the website open in case I found something. I wanted to add the question, something like that. Yeah. And it would just play and play and play. And it would loop because it was around like two minutes. And I noticed that um, to me, what I noticed is this was one of your greatest moments or achievements. Mm. And it was, it, it, I felt that this was, it was a gathering that will live on forever in your career. It will always be like a highlight. Mm. Just by looking at it without having there be any sound, and the way that people were interacting in that yeah. um, uh, in that gathering, it just felt that you know they kind of were all on the same wavelength and understanding the purpose for them being there. And uh, I just you know that was a statement I wanted to make. Thanks. I just felt I just felt that that was something, and it it uh, it struck me. And as an artist yourself, I'm sure you will uh, resonate with this quote. And actually, one of the you know my most favorite quotes uh, from Andy Warhol. I mean, I, I, maybe the only quote that I know actually, but most famous quote, the um, <laughs> quote that I like from artists is the, you know, he said the best thing about a picture or in this case, it's a video mm -hmm. is that it never changes even when the people in it do. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, it's partly, I mean, my, my father is a photographer uh, so I understand the impact of such a quote and I love to take photos myself. And while I like to say this is, it's, it's bad in a way because the photo is, you know, when you take a photo of something and you capture the memory, it's very, you know, it's the nostalgic memory feeling where, you know, it's not good to live in the past, but, um, I just thought, you know, now with the pandemic and everything like that, we just took yeah. for granted, the. Uh, the concept of gatherings and not wearing the mask and all that. So, so yeah, I think it's, I think more, that was more my statement about that. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, the final question. Should I comment? You, uh, you don't have to comment. Okay. You don't have to comment. You don't have to comment. Okay. Um, okay. The final question for you, Azal, is, uh, do you have a question for me? Ah, yes. Why are you doing this, Ali? Whoa, <laughs> why am I doing this? I'm sure you've been asked before. Yeah. I have been, I have been asked before. Um, look, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, a lot of it, uh, there's, there's um, a couple of reasons, but I'm definitely doing it for myself. Um, I've, I've gotten to know amazing, um, amazing people throughout the course of this journey. And I've learned a lot about um, the you know, um, maybe a skill set that I didn't know that I have. And there's a lot of things that I need to still work on. Um, mm -hmm. uh, always there are 
different steps that I have to take, but um, I've done a plan, I've done a process. Uh, I've tried to learn uh, certain skills to allow me to sustain, uh, whereas maybe before I, you know, I couldn't. Um, I do it for me because, um, and I've, I've said this many times before that, you know, I used to, I've, especially at the beginning, I felt so happy that I could go online on YouTube and I could find the video and say that, you know, that's me. I had done that. And, um, you know, if one person watched the video and benefited from it, then, uh, you know, that's, that's a good thing. And believe it or not, actually, even, you know, um, a recent episode that we posted uh, with Basil Zahar, where we were talking about uh, mentorship, uh, life coaching, and just, you know, accepting, uh, you know, or visualizing your problems and doing something about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had someone, you know, text me that they had watched it and it really helped them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. so, so yes, I'm doing this for me, but at the same time, um, I, I enjoy that somebody can either benefit from, you know, something like this and, and really, you know, just having the, you know, having some great conversations and I want to make an impact. I'm not going to lie. You know, I want, I want the numbers, you know, I want the fame, so to speak. I want the, 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 the groundbreaking, uh, moments that can, can happen because of this. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm not going to deny that um, because I think with that, it will just allow me to, to just go even, even uh, further. Uh, yes. Who knows if I'll change, you know, maybe the fame will get to me if that ever happens, but I'm not going to lie. I don't think so, but yeah. if that yeah. ever happens, we'll track you. Yeah. Track me down. <laughs> all the guests, all you. the guests will track me down. They're, you know, they all, they all track me down. I, I, I would like to say that, um, you know, um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this because I also want to really create something and, and call it my own. You know, that's that's kind of what it is. Yeah. yeah. I think I think I'll just reflect on what you just said and say with these, with the Nobody's podcast, you've been traveling. You've been traveling. A lot of people, they brought you all their cultures, all their stories. It's like traveling. It's like literally what I did. Uh, meeting people this is this is a new wave of, of um, learning a new I mean it's a it's beautiful I congratulate you for that Ali. it's not and not anyone can do that actually well I'm glad to to hear that um, I never thought of it that way I mean I did in a way but I didn't think that I'm physically traveling I mean I like you know, the colorful aspect of having all the different um, perspectives and and um, a lot of these different aspects of it. So, so uh, I, I didn't, I didn't think it's similar to physically traveling now that I yes. haven't traveled for a long time as, as many people possibly because of the situation. Um, yeah. And, and with that, uh, Azel, I, I want to say that uh, this has been an amazing conversation with you. Uh, I have really, really enjoyed it. Do you have any last words before I sign us off? Uh, just thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for hosting me. Uh, thank you for creating genuine content. Well, that's great. That's great. Azel. Thank you so much. Um, I want to say that, um, 
you know, your episode is episode number 50 officially, unofficially, because, okay. you know, we, ha- we had a couple of shows that nice. we, we didn't add to the full number of episodes, but you are episode 50. And I think that's a great milestone for us. And um, we're planning after Thank your you. show. Yeah. And we're planning after your show to go uh, back to live. Um, so, um, you know, and with that, uh, it would be, it's an amazing thing to, to, to be closing off yeah. with you. So I'm going to, I'm going to sign us off mm, here on the, uh, nobody's famous podcast. Um, guys, this has been another amazing, amazing show of the nobody's famous podcast with the one and only Azala Salafi. We've had a great talk with you guys. You can, um, uh, check out her new project. Khazana, uh, Azal and Co. Her art is all there. Um, check her out on Instagram at, I'm not going to get this right, but Z A Zali. Zali, three L's, four L's, whatever it is. Just write Z A and L and you will find it. And three I's. She's just making it difficult. I'm so sorry. You know, um, you can um, you can always make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can watch this on YouTube. You can check us out on Spotify and Rami, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all those good places. And we'll be with you all the way.